0: Well, we asked for some more reviews and we got a few more.
1: What? I know. Did we? I know.
0: Shall I read them out to you?
1: I don't know about this. It's good that one of us keeps an eye on the the reviews. (laughs) I go with vibes.
0: So uh, someone who didn't leave a name, they used emojis instead of a name, said, love your energy and sense of fun. Which is nice.
1: Oh, yeah, that's it. Yeah. Love your energy and sense yeah. fun. Five stars. Was that
0: one? You no, know, that one's a weird one. It's, it's actually one star. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Email us who, 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 who Stephen that was. We'd love to pick your brains about yeah, those yeah. four stars we managed to lose. Drew left quite a chunky review, but the top line was, thanks for keeping me company in the mornings. You're both a pleasure to listen to.
1: Oh, that's nice.
0: We got a rather suspicious one.
1: Yeah.
0: From someone called Jess. Uh-huh. And it says, that Jess girl is great. Keep up the great work. Definitely not from Jess. So, <laughs> hi, Jess.
1: <laughs> okay.
0: Definitely not Jess with the headlines.
1: Keep them coming. I love reading reviews. This is fun. One-star reviews, five-star reviews. They're, they're great fun. And you can get creative with them.
0: Anyway, shall we get into it? Let's.
1: Let's. Kia ora, this is Newsable. I'm Emil,
0: And I'm Imogen, and this is what's worth talking about. New Zealand is one of only two high-income countries where pharmaceutical companies can advertise directly to consumers. We look into why a group of experts wants to change that.
1: Also the latest twist in the wild story of New York congressman, unapologetic liar, and reportedly former NBA player, George Santos.
0: It's Eurovision finals time. Literally anything could happen, so we cast an eye over one of the world's weirdest competitions.
1: And a high-stakes Fun Fact Friday. Double points up for grabs. <laughs> the tension is crackling through the air like electricity, isn't it, Imogen? Are you uh, nervous?
0: Ah, uh, uh, no. no. You know what? I've come to the table with a great Fun Fact, and we've got all of that coming up in a moment here on Newsable. Newsable takes time and resources to produce. Please support our mahi and visit stuff.co.nz slash support.
1: Do you think you would ever go to the doctor to ask specifically for a medicine that you have seen advertised in much the same way as you might go to pack and save to buy Whitaker's chocolate if it was on special?
0: (laughs) I've definitely in the past gone to the doctor and referred to an inhaler that I'd seen advertised on TV and and said, you know, I think maybe I should try it.
1: Yeah, that looks like the best inhaler I've ever seen. Yeah, they say
0: it's going (laughs) to cure me.
1: (laughs) Well, New Zealand and the United States, we are the only high-income countries in the world that allow medicines to be advertised directly to consumers, but there is an opportunity for that to change under a new law which is currently being developed.
0: Two health researchers have countered some of the arguments for allowing such ads and want them banned. One of them, David Menkes from the University of Auckland, is with us now to chat. Kia ora, David. Yes, hello. Uh, David, what is wrong with allowing companies to advertise medicine? Isn't it just informing patients like myself about an inhaler that they could possibly try?
2: Well, on the face of it, that sounds very reasonable, doesn't it? But I think it's important to make a distinction between ordinary consumer products, which might include things like supplements and pain relievers and vitamins, that sort of thing, And prescription medicines, which are really a distinct category. And they are made that way, distinct, that is, for a good reason. And that is because their indications are often quite specific. And they also, without exception, really have the capacity to cause harm if they're not used appropriately.
0: As we mentioned earlier, it's New Zealand and the US, the high income countries that allow this. It's obviously way bigger. In the U.S. than it is here in New Zealand. I'm struggling to think of some examples of adverts other than an asthma one.
2: Yeah, not nearly as much as in North America. That's absolutely right. You might see them, for example, in the Family Health Diary. That's one place. Magazines have them. If you go to a uh, clinic or a lab to get um, blood tests done, you'll often see pamphlets there. But our argument is that it's not actually a good idea because it leads to problems like overdiagnosis, overtreatment, and then avoidable side effects. And that isn't just a theoretical concern either. I mean, we've got documented evidence. Probably the best example is the anti-inflammatory drug called Vioxx. Uh, Vioxx was heavily promoted a couple of decades ago, both in New Zealand and other countries, and it was never funded by Pharmac, but the marketing was so effective that a lot of people, particularly older people with arthritis, went and asked their doctor for getting a prescription. And that ended up being withdrawn worldwide in 2004 because it caused upwards of 60,000 heart attack deaths in North America. And there were also several hundred in New Zealand. uh, It's been estimated. There's no doubt at all that this drug caused a lot of avoidable harm. And yet it was only when it really came down to it, that the drug was withdrawn from the market right up until that point it was still being advertised wow and the fascinating thing was that the adverts did not include warnings about this
1: Uh, david i'm I'm so curious about this you know because the examples that you give some of them are from decades ago you know you can't do this in australia you can't do it in the uk you can't do it in france can't do it in germany you can't do it in, in a huge number of places but you can do it here why is that why can you still do it here we've known about this for a long time
2: yeah no, it's, it's, it's curious, isn't it? And I guess all those other countries you mentioned, Emil, there have been efforts to bring in DTCA, but it's been resisted, resisted in Australia and Canada and the UK and the European Union also, because of these concerns about avoidable harms and also stimulated drug expenditure. That would be the other fiscal concern. It's been a, a, a really ongoing controversy, and these other countries have kind of held it at bay. Now, you mentioned also the question of, well, why do we have it at all? And it's not really because we specifically invited it in. It's because the Old Medicines Act, 1981, way back when, did not anticipate direct-to-consumer advertising. So there was no law against
0: it. David Menkes, thank you so much for your time.
2: Thanks for your interest. It's been fun.
0: So for your weekly dose of long-form journalism, beautifully read, subscribe to The Long Read From Stuff wherever you get your podcasts. George Santos, a US Republican congressman, has been officially accused of fraud and money laundering.
1: Santos made headlines, boy did he make headlines, over our Kiwi summer after it was revealed a bunch of things on his CV and indeed claims about his childhood and upbringing were complete 100% made up.
0: But it's financial accusations that have ended up in court and here to give us all the details is News Hub's US correspondent Mitch McCann. Kia ora Mitch.
3: Kia ora team, how are you?
0: So good, how are you going? Yeah I'm good
3: thank you, Um, late night here in the US but enjoying it.
0: Hey, just remind us who George Santos is and why we should care about all of this.
3: Yeah, George Santos is a Republican congressman from here in New York. He was elected to the Congress of the United States in November in the midterm elections. And when he was elected, it was a really big deal. It was kind of a watershed moment for some Republicans. Here you have a gay male Republican for a conservative party that's elected in New York, which is an achievement in itself. But it was also this kind of rags to riches story that George Santos had. He was from a family of Brazilian parents they immigrated to the United States he'd kind of worked his way up in the world he'd owned companies he'd done all these amazing things but then it turned out he'd actually lied about nearly everything on his CV so some of the key lies he said that he was Jewish when there's no evidence of that he owned rental properties he said his mum died in the 9/11 terror attacks there's no evidence of that he founded a charity he worked at all these amazing companies and it turned out It simply wasn't true. So this story is so big here, it's captivated, you know, millions of Americans have been following this for months and then today he was charged with federal charges. So it's a big story here in the US today.
1: Yeah, I mean it's interesting that he persevered throughout all of those numerous provable falsehoods. Um and yet now he is facing charges. Tell us a bit about these charges. What are they?
3: Yeah, so he faces thirteen federal charges in New York. It was in upstate New York. He was in court today, and this came out last night. So, you know, all the reporters around the country started flooding to New York to cover this. So these 13 charges are related to basically lies and dishonesty. So these things like wire fraud. And the prosecutors claim that George Santos used campaign funds. So people donated money to him. And then instead of using that for political purposes, he used it for luxury items and luxury goods and committed a whole lot of different types of fraud. And they've also accused him of lying to the House of Representatives. Now, some of these things he's accused of didn't just happen after he became a congressman, some of them allegations that he was lying about different things before he actually got to the Congress. So it's going to be very interesting whether or not he can shake off some of these allegations. But I think George Santos is probably one of the most hated people in Washington at the moment, it would be fair to say.
0: Goodness. And this is more to do with the money side of things rather than those ones you mentioned before about where his mum was or wasn't with 9-11 and being Jewish?
3: Yeah, most of them are kind of financial dishonesty things that he's been charged with. I mean, some of those other things, they're lies, but they're not really crimes, mm. unless he's, you know, seen them in a, an official capacity, I suppose. Mm. But that's really what he's charged with at the moment. So he'll appear back in court in the next couple of months. But yeah, he denies everything.
0: Thanks so much for your time, Mitch McCann, Newshub's US correspondent.
1: Well, it's loud and it's colourful and it's borderline too much fun. No, it's not Imagine Wells.
0: <laughs> I didn't write that.
1: <laughs> I didn't pre-read that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but is it wrong? Um, <laughs> we're talking about Eurovision, not myself. The musical extravaganza, which is currently blowing up on social media.
1: This year's competition was supposed to be held in Kiev after Ukraine won it last year. But there is a uh, war so that's not happening. Instead, it's in Liverpool in the UK.
0: Here with all the Eurovision tea is staff travel reporter and absolute Eurovision tragic, Alan Granville. Kia ora, Alan.
4: <laughs> Kia ora. How are you doing? <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, <laughs> so good. It's not the
4: first time I've been called tragic in my life, but thank you very much.
0: <laughs> for the newbies, for those who don't know, what is Eurovision?
4: Uh, essentially, it's a great, big glamorous occasion that has been happening since 1956 as an annual event, whereby the mostly all the countries in Europe send forward a three-minute song gets judged by the rest of Europe, and a winner is declared. Eleanor, um, it's the weirdest thing in the world,
1: I think. It reminds me a bit of those arcane European rituals that still happen because they've always happened, you know, like the tomato-throwing thing in Spain or like the wife-carrying championships in Finland. Why is it still around?
4: Um, I mean, it was initially started because it was meant to get all the countries together after World War II, so it was right. meant to be kind of like a peace-peace-love-love love thing, which has kind of translated all the way through the, the last 40 50, 60 years, it's just basically an idea of getting Europe together for showing a united front and showing that people are looking for unification and also just a damn good time. Basically, you have four hours of your life, which you probably will never get back, (laughs) is the Eurovision final. (laughs) And a lot goes on. You don't really have to care about things. It's pure escapism. There's a lot of WTF moments. And it's just a big lot of fun, basically.
0: What makes a good Eurovision song? (laughs)
4: Look, there are various elements that makes a song. It depends which kind of journey you want to go on. Some does a really good pop song. Sweden have been doing that really, really well over the last few years. You can have a big emotional ballad with someone who actually has to belt out a really good song. And then there's always the jokey, funny ones, some folk pop or there's some punk. You just basically need to make an impact no matter what you do.
0: The final is this weekend. Who are the favourites? What's your take on this year's comp?
4: Well, it's all about Scandinavia this year. So Sweden uh, have, going into this, they've won six times and their singer is Laureen, who has won before in 2012 for a song called Euphoria, which is still probably the best ever Eurovision winner. She's back again. She's a hot favourite to win for Sweden. How do we get into it? Why isn't, I mean, Australia was on it. Yeah, Aussie's involved.
1: What's going on Yeah. Why are we?
4: So, uh, Aussie have a rabid fan base. They've always loved Eurovision. And I think it was back in 2015, Austria had won it. And it was kind of like a joke, let's have Australia in it. So, it was meant to be just a one off.
0: So, it was a funny ha ha.
4: It was a funny ha ha. And Guy Sebastian entered, and he, I think he got top five. And so oh. they said, oh, well, we'll have you back the next year. And then Dami Im came second. And then so it was like, oh, they were kind of now established as part of Eurovision. So that's how they've kept going. Sadly, New Zealand doesn't really have that rabbit fan base. It's never really kind of um, gripped the world. But Two Hearts, the uh, the comedy act duo, have done a phenomenally oh, good yes, Eurovision yes, yes, yes. piss take uh, called Eurovision. And it is brilliant. <laughs> it's better than probably three quarters of the songs at the current competition.
0: Oh, hot takes. For Lord 11. for Eurovision yeah.
1: 2024. Let's <laughs> start the campaign.
0: Can't wait to bump into you in the office next week and we can chat all about (laughs) what went down. Alan Granville, thank you so much for your time. It's time. Is it time? Is it time?
1: Been looking forward to this all week.
0: What I didn't tell you about Drew's review was that they left a fun fact in there. And it was so good. I'm going to use it.
1: Wow. What?
0: Yeah. Remember, because we asked our lovely listeners, you guys, to sprinkle some fun facts in the reviews. And when I read this one, I thought, very fun fact from lovely listener Drew. Tarantulas in the Amazon have pet frogs. Obviously no reaction from you because you already read that, but I will give you a little bit more information about it. Even though I hate spiders, this was a fact right up my alley. So the reason that they join forces, and it's one tarantula, one frog, boom, besties. So obviously nothing tries to attack Froggy when it's around tarantula, because why would you? But then Froggy protects spiders' eggs from, like, insects and biddies trying to get at the eggs and kill the little baby spiders inside the eggs. So it's like a wonderful marriage. It's
1: a beautiful symbiotic relationship.
0: Yeah, it's it's amazing. Obviously, they're not pets, but it's nice to think of spiders having a pet. I wonder whether they can communicate,
1: the tarantulas and the frogs. Obviously, they can't, like, talk to each other. It'd
0: be even better if they couldn't. Yeah. But they just look at each other and they're like, I know. Yeah. You know. Anyway, great fun fact. Thank you very much, Drew. Drew. We asked for fun facts in the reviews, so It it was too good not to use. It was great. Okay. So, what do you got? A space fact? My
1: fun fact? No, I didn't go space fact. Um, <clears throat> my fun fact is that most of the ice cubes in Iceland are imported from overseas. So- <laughs> Iceland imports most of its ice.
0: I didn't ever think about. It's bizarre to me that anyone would need to import yeah, ice. Yeah. You could make it in the freezer.
1: There are reasons for this, though. Okay,
0: go on.
1: Because, like, we're talking about ice at an industrial level here, right? Sure. You can make your own ice in your freezer, but then we're talking about like the bags of ice that you might pick up if you were hosting a soiree yeah. at the Wells household. Yeah, House yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, And the reason for this is Iceland is a really rich country. Uh, it also, separately, it has lots of glaciers. About eleven percent of the country is covered by glaciers, and because it's a really rich country, labor costs are really expensive in Iceland. Now you couple all of this with the fact that there are no import tariffs in the EU on water products, and it ends up being like way cheaper to just import ice into Iceland from largely Norway and Scotland. It retails for like 40% cheaper than homegrown Icelandic ice. Although, ironically, Iceland does export ice cubes to other countries, and they are often retailed as premium ice. From Iceland. It is a significant markup.
0: I would buy ice from Iceland. I I would pick the Iceland bag of 100%. ice over any other ice.
1: If I was feeling fancy, you know, I'd be like
0: You'd get Oh, pop out the Iceland <laughs> ice.
1: Give me some of that Icelandic <laughs> ice, baby.
0: Those are our two fun facts. High stakes. Need to settle the score. It's a double pointer. We tied last week, remember?
1: I'm in big trouble if you take this round. It'll be seven three.
0: Head to our Instagram page to vote at newsable NZ. But I think. That's Newsball for today. I'm Imogen Wells.
1: And I'm Emile Donovan. Uh, Remember, as we've said, you can follow us wherever you get your podcasts and also across all of your social media channels at NZ. Get those Fun Fact Friday votes in.
0: Even better, if you know someone who'd enjoy the podcast, if you know someone who'd enjoy the fact that spiders have pet frogs, share it with them, get them to vote. Either way, I'm not not trying to influence the vote, but let's spread the pet frog Fun Fact Friday word. If you like this podcast, please support our work. Visit stuff.co.nz/support.